Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. So we're, we're, we're back in the studios in Burbank. It's a little disorienting. It's a little strange. And Barbara Crampton's here. So I suspect that means something terrible is going to happen. What? Because that's yeah. usually what happens when you see Barbara Crampton, at no. least in my experience. No. Oh, because most <laughs> well, of the time don't... I get killed or maimed. Or, or, or you're or... doing the killing and maiming, not to give away well, anything. Well, lately I've been doing more maiming. Yes. Um, in the beginning of my career, I was you killed were, a lot. You and were killed, but. Tried to be brought back to life. You've gone from happen. victim to assaulter. I, yes, there's some, there's a maturity with that that kind of makes sense. Yes. You know, once you learn the weapons of destruction of the other villainous people, you can then become the villain, right? Well, and it, yes, and isn't that sort of always the way that eventually the, the abused becomes the abuser? It's Did just a terrible. Oh yeah. my God, Otherwise that's true. Just... <laughs> oh, that's my legacy. That is your legacy. And I guess I, I, I we sort of pride ourselves on, um, uh, minimal to no homework with, uh-huh. with our guests. Um, but I'm just going to reanimate. It was like one of your very first. Yeah. I, I had a very small part in Brian De Palma's movie, Body, Body Double. Body Double, yes. Which, which, yeah, which I, well, I had three or four scenes in the movie when I got the part. And then the night before they called and said, oh, all of your scenes, all your dialogue scenes with Craig Wasson have been cut except for the one scene. Which is sort of an inciting incident. They actually told you about that. That's unusual. Usually, yeah, at least you didn't find out. You go to the screening and go, "I'm not in." Oh, that's true. Well, they didn't want to spend the time to film it. Although I know they didn't. They didn't even shoot it. They didn't. No, they called me the night before. They said we're not Mm. shooting those scenes. So you only have one scene in the movie. And I thought, oh, well, it's Brian De Palma, so I should do it. Yeah, you should do it. It'll lead to other things. Yeah, and it It didn't. No, (laughs) no, I actually saw him in a restaurant about twenty years later. I was having lunch with a girlfriend and a safari jacket walked up to me and I looked up <laughs> and it was Brian De Palma. And so I told him my thoughts about it. I said, oh, you didn't want to shoot those other scenes. And I just thought, well, I'll do it for Brian because he uses the same people like you do a lot, right. Joe. And um, it, it, I'm still waiting for it to happen. <laughs> And so here's my number. Give me a call. Now he works in Europe, so you have to go to Europe. It's a, it's a trip to Europe. Well, yeah, my <laughs> husband just retired, so we're kind of, we're empty nesters now. Our kids went to college, and mm-hmm. so I could go to Europe. Maybe yeah. I will, yeah. But, but yeah, so, I mean, that's right. I forgot, yeah. Because uh, I, I love that movie, but then Reanimator. Yes, I loved it. But like, then Reanimator was my first yeah. really big thing. Yeah. And, and I got that part because uh, the girl 
who originally had the role, her mother read the script and her mother said, oh no, you're not doing this. <laughs> and, you know, we we're all young at the time. And um, my mother wasn't that uh, much of a, you know, helicopter parent. So she didn't read it. And, <laughs> thank God. And then... Um, but then she had to see it. I don't... Well, my mother's passed away, God rest her soul, but um, she, I don't think she ever watched it. Really? Because everybody told her not to. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But listen, that movie, I mean, it didn't... That movie it, was a... It was a good movie. It didn't shock me. It did... I, I, I don't know. My sensibilities probably are a little bit different than most people, maybe. I don't know. I I grew up in the carnival business, and my dad was a concessionaire with fairs and carnivals, and I traveled around with, you know, like a two-headed cow and um, <laughs> a tattooed lady and a bearded lady and... You know, I just saw a lot of weird kind of creatures in my life growing up. And it it didn't, you know, of course, it always gives you pause as a person when there's nudity involved. But as far as the story goes and mm-hmm. everything, I didn't feel like, oh, I, I can't do this or I can't pull this off. And also, I felt like the character was written pretty smartly in a yeah. way. And there was enough for me to do to get over the fact that, you know, there was some nudity in the film. So it didn't it didn't really bother me at the time. And it's proved to be one of people's favorite scenes in horror history. <laughs> it's, so. pretty, it's a pretty unique scene. And that led original. to other things. And yes. that that movie led to other things for me. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. But I just remember that that movie hit like a bomb. I mean, it was just, it was one of those films. It was that period there were these movies that were coming out like within a couple of years, which, you know, sort of repo man, stuff like that, where you were like, I'm going to be watching this for the rest of my life. And then here comes this amazing low budget horror film that was just so much smarter than it had any right to be, so much funnier mm-hmm. and still terrifying and yeah. graphic. But I mean, just right? what an amazing piece of work. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think the tone was pretty, pretty interesting. It, I think it married comedy and horror pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you guys know a lot about that. But um, it it didn't really lean into the comedy so much yeah. in a way. It, well, but he has the absurdity working for it. So Yes, you know, right. That, that, it, because you need, the, the visuals are there. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need the actors to telegraph those moments at all. And I think that's what helped in at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was also very, because Stuart came from the theater, it was very presentational in a way and almost like an opera. You mm-hmm. know, it was really big. And, um, and Stuart, came from the theater and yeah. that was his first movie. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, he had a good script with Dennis Paoli and they were frequent collaborators. And um, all of us had worked in the theater before then, all the actors, Jeffrey and Bruce and myself. And I think we just all had a similar mindset. So it seemed to work. Yeah. We actually, yeah, we got to see, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, the musical. Mm-hmm. I saw um, it four times. No, I saw you there. You were there. Yeah, I remember. I, I didn't get. I, I didn't. I didn't get to wear the shower curtain and get blood on me. But you, d- you were closer up than me. I or no? Were you behind? I, me? I, I don't remember. Was behind you. you were behind me. Yeah. Was that? Was that the night? Or did, did you go another night? Because there were a bunch of us. I remember when was that? We would land us. You had night? a crew I with think you. So. I think yeah, so. I was, yeah, I was. I was. I was part of you, that. You were there, but I, I hadn't met you yet. But I think Stuart just said, "I think he just yeah." Stuart just brought us all in. Yeah. I. Loved it. Oh, so, I so much fun. So hard. It was so much fun. It really leaned into the comedy for the musical, and I think that worked. And I think yeah. Graham Skipper as uh, Herbert West was fantastic. My husband was sitting next to me, and you know he doesn't like horror movies, but he was he was the loudest laugher in the whole theater. <laughs> so much so that I was like, okay, it's funny. Maybe it's not that funny. It's funny, but you know, it was. 
<laughs> I think I think everybody just had a really good time. Um, it, maybe except for Jeffrey. Jeffrey was a little bit like, he's like, what is going on? You know, this is my part. And look, they're, 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 they're making, making fun, fun of, of they're, Yeah, I think he felt like they were making fun of him, you know, to a certain degree. And it was his part that he created. And so I think he had a, a you know, Jeffrey's good natured. And, you know, I think he got over it. But for the moment, he was like, what is happening here? What is this? But I just thought it was delightful. And the girl who played my character's part, um, Ashley is her name, I think. I thought she was lovely. I just thought, and the music was fantastic. It was great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was a big fan of that go one. Go on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It did it, go on the road it, for a little bit. It, it did. Oh, that's great. Cause, uh, yeah. And I also, I just, I love the fact that what was it? The first five rows you had to wear. You'd have like the splash parkas because they would yeah, splash you with people, blood. People were getting sprayed with blood. Yeah, I didn't get sprayed with blood. Uh, I would have liked that too. Yeah, I didn't notice it down front. It's uh, great fun, but um, yeah, but you've been in since then. You've been in a trillion movies, and and the, the we just saw you recently, and we had your co-star on um, Jacob's Wife, which uh, I guess I mean it's been out long enough. We as you were saying, we can give away a little bit about the fact that you're chopping people up yourself and eating them and doing terrible things to them. Now you're the, Spoilers. you're the monster now. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> but there's a reason I'm a monster. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, there's something behind it. it. Um, it is one of the most, I, I, I don't know why it is. It's like the best movies about, um, relationships very often or weird genre yeah. films, but it's such a great film about marriage. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we developed that. I developed that with amp films for about, three years or so, we went through a lot of different writers and it was, you know, initially when it was first written, it was a movie about a man dealing with his wife who has a terminal illness. And then we thought, well, let's turn it more in, because I wanted it for me because I found it and I wanted it as a vehicle for me. So we thought, well, let's, let's turn it around and make it more uh, uh, that the main character of Anne has a little bit more agency. And we also didn't want to bash the patriarchy. We just wanted to showcase a long-term marriage mm -hmm. and the ups and downs of that and how how do you last after 20 or 30 years? How, did, how does that go on? And I'm a longtime married person and so is Larry Fessenden who played Jacob. And Larry and I have known each other for a very long time. We've worked on a few projects together and there was a comfortability with Larry that I mm -hmm. had and, you know, just us talking about what it's been like for us being married for so long. And sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes you want to give up, but you don't. You just kind of, you stay in there. And um, I think I think we wanted to showcase a story about two people yeah. and, and, you know, how they move on when somebody changes. And, and yeah. And yeah. <laughs> They change. Yeah, she, you know? yeah, she, she changes. She um, starts, she's got an appetite she for more. Doing, yeah. Yeah, there happens to be blood and guts and uh, bodies. You know, but it's not I like the people she's killing or that. Yeah. yeah. And I for me, I also wanted to play an iconic character. I've never gotten to play that. And it's usually in times past, guys that get to play Freddy Krueger and right. mm -hmm. you know, all the great horror villains of all time. And it was really important for me in my career to have something like that at least once. And I thought to myself, maybe you think this every time you make a movie, if I could just make this one, if I could just get the money, that's all I need. I'll never need another movie. And that's how I felt making this movie. That's great. Of course, now I want to make the next one. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful film and we're, we're, we're not just thrilled to have you on the show or thrilled. We're in, I can't believe we're 
here, Joe. It's been oh yes, we're here in person. Eighteen. And, how many? Yeah. Forever. Forever. We, we've been doing Zooms for a long yes. time, and uh, and you you do get to look at the person on the Zoom. Yeah, but it isn't the same as being in the same room with them and feeling the vibe, and it just mm -hmm. it, you you react differently. Sure. Plus, we had a shower. Yeah, <laughs> you had to shower. You weren't in and, your and put on pants. And, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've done. Yeah. Uh, if you'd be stunned at how many episodes I've done without pants, it's um, or shoes. Mm. But <laughs> I didn't think we were going to go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So, Barbara, we want to talk to you uh -huh. here. Like, what do you like? What kind of movies? Yeah. Are, what, are you, what are you here to tell us about? We um... well, it's funny. You said to pick ten movies that you know really influenced me in my life, and as I'm writing them down. I probably had 20 oh, yeah. and then, and then maybe I had a little more than that, but I, in thinking about it, I was really paring it down, editing in my mind as I went along. And then I don't know, I just picked the 10 movies that really stood out to me in my life. And then, and then I put them all together in order of how, when I saw them and how they affected me. And there is a story there and I didn't know there would be a story, ah. but I guess with, all the little elements in your life, if yep. you put things together, you can piece them together as a writer, you know, you would, you just, you find the connections, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was younger, I used to watch Dark Shadows and I was a kid maybe in sixth grade. Every day after school, I'd ride my bike home and I got out of school at two, two fifty, and the show started at three. So I have to really hurry. I was very scared by Dark Shadows. Yes. But I continued to watch it. I had nightmares. My mother said, don't watch that show. I said, I can't help it. I have to watch it. Um, I also would come home after that show played the Million Dollar Movie on WPIX in New York. So every day at four o'clock, there was an old movie. And I guess one of the early earliest memories I have is of watching Danny Kaye in The Court Jester. Ugh. And that really had a big effect on me. And as a performer, I, I guess, you know, when I was younger, I thought, I do want to be an actress. And I think all kids think that at some time. You know, I, want, I want to be in a rock band. Right. I want to be an actor, whatever. I want to be a singer. But I never lost that. I, I always wanted to be a performer. And I felt like my dad was also kind of a performer in the carnival business because he was a carnival barker and they used to call him the best mic man in the business because he could call people in and get them to spend a quarter or a dollar, $2, $5. You know, if he got a good mark, he'd get $50 out of them and then he'd give them a small little toy that cost $2. Anyway, I felt the same way about Danny Kay. He kind of reminded me of my dad and he was mm. bigger than life and so broad in his performance and just could do anything. He could sing, he could dance, he could make you laugh. He was a good actor. He was, you know, uh, a romantic lead. He was everything. So that movie really stood out to me. And then movie, Can you do the thing? Oh, uh, let me think. Uh, the vessel with the pestle has the pellet with the poison. No, no, no. Is that, you, is that right? <laughs> no, that's wrong. I do know. With, the vessel with the pestle has the pellet with the poison. I said that. That's the, what I just the, said. The other one has no the, the, the uh, what was the other one the, the flagon with the dragon what the flagon with the dragon has the brew that is has true. the brew that, that is true, true. <laughs> yeah okay but they well, get we almost got it get it mixed up in the movie that's right they get it mixed up in the movie yeah and we haven't rehearsed it so i think we did pretty good <laughs> that was that was yes but and that then, that actually is i think the best thing danny k ever did 
Yeah. I love that film. I mean, yeah. it's such a, it's such a, it works on so many levels. It's such a terrific movie. And uh, I, I also saw it when I, I saw it in the theaters. I'm, I'm so old. I saw it in the theaters yeah. when I was a kid. And, uh, and I remember kids like Danny Kaye, but mm -hmm. uh, that particular one was like, it was made for them. Yeah. And it's, and if you see it today, the, the screenplay is so clever. It's so clever. Yeah. It's it's a little complicated, I think, but it still works. You know, I mean, I I I think there's some other movies that I watched in my youth that I felt like a, were a little more streamlined. There's a lot going on in this movie, and it was quite expensive, as I understand, mm -hmm. um, for the time. They had like three million dollars for for the budget, which back then is a lot of money. And a very good cast. And a very yeah. good cast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sword fights. And sword fight, and that sword fight, come on, yeah, <laughs> was like ridiculous. Every, I, and they rehearsed that that movie too. I think for like three weeks or so, they rehearsed the scenes. The and funny enough, we rehearsed Reanimator as well uh, for about two to three weeks. It's unusual for a low budget. Movie. It's on. Yeah. Well, I thought this is the way it was. You know, you you get a movie part and then you rehearse. That's the last, first time and last time that's ever happened to me. Mm. Um, I know Mike Flanagan did it on, on his show, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, one mm -hmm. of the episodes. Um, oh, sure, because it's, wasn't it like one shot, I think, in the, the uh, yeah, in the, in the, there was one the long mortuary. shot. Yes. Yeah, and, and it was so during the funeral. Yeah, you would have to, right, right, in the funeral home. But, but I think that they shut down production and they rehearsed. Yeah. And then they shot it very pretty quickly yeah that would make sense and uh i think drama wise you know and performance wise it's one of the best things i've seen on television oh, it was, that, it was that, amazing that yeah, i love those episode. moments in those kind of shots where you start to realize what's been going on and it's like oh wait a minute yeah right? <laughs> you know, they're not cutting they're not cutting <laughs> At, but in reanimator too i think you know we shot that in 21 or 22 days and um you know this was before a lot of people were making noise about overtime and whatever and i got paid for all my overtime and the crew did too but i think i made more money in overtime on that movie than i did when we were shooting it because stewart would just never stop shooting he would say no i, I want to do that scene one more time or i have to do this or we have to do that and we'd be like oh all right whatever um but it did help because he was a theater director of mm -hmm. having rehearsal and just running the scenes and talking about it and and i think for something like like um, the court gesture, that is such a performance piece yeah, too. Like yeah. having that is is really going to help, unless you have a year to shoot it. Maybe they did. Right. I don't know what their shooting schedule was like, but and you also, um, I mean, and the, yeah, Basil Rathbone was apparently the, the greatest swordsman in, One of the, in, yeah. in Hollywood. Oh, oh, he yeah. was like in real life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I didn't, was, I didn't know that. I mean, I know ever since ever since uh, swashbuckling you know, days, the Robin Hood yeah. stuff. That, that mm -hmm. was, yeah, now, that was something they had to rehearse. Yeah, and I remember I worked with a guy very early on back when I was. It was my first job when I was a PA who who did sword fight stuff, and he said the 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 best sword fighter in Hollywood was Basil Rathbone, oh. but the one who actually fought the way like sword fighters did in sort of those. If you watch Three Musketeers, Oliver mm -hmm. Reed is the mm -hmm. most accurate. You know, he's not. There's no finesse. He's just this lumbering 
bull with these swords going blah blah <laughs> whacking at you over and over again he's like that's how they actually did it oh. so. <laughs> well they must but, have had you know stunt people back then oh but yeah, I, yeah but maybe they didn't help use them, them. I, or help them yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's hard to fake that though i mean unless you're right? over somebody's shoulder it's yeah. you know now of course you put somebody else's face on them but. yeah you just well, drop their face on yeah that's yeah, true exactly. does, does keanu reeves do his own action in all the oh. john wick movies uh well, i mean I, the I stuff that's safe i happened yeah. to see the matrix again on the on the airplane on the way back oh yeah and, which i hadn't seen in ever since it came out and uh there's a, he does a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff in he thinks picture. yeah and, it, and it's it's a really good picture oh, i know that. i, I love mean, it it's, too it's, it's yeah. so smart yeah and, mm-hmm. and uh i don't understand how but both wachowskis now i understand have had um are, are now uh, yes they're, now, they're not the, the brothers anymore. Say, well we yeah, watched yeah. um uh, we just watched Bound the other day, which I have not seen. Which in is great. Thousand oh, years. Uh, Gina Gershon, Bound. Bound. The first, That's yeah, the first, yeah. Time I ever, first film. I saw a picture by them. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, it was their first, their yeah. first. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, yeah, right. And then what did they do after this before? And you're like, no, they got the Matrix off of that film. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's like you forget how good it is. Um, might, I don't know. I might cut this. I'll, I'll think about it because I don't know. It's mm. a touchy territory we get into. Right. But the opening shot in Bound. Uh-huh. Do you remember? You're inside a closet full of women's clothes. It slowly pans down to women's shoes. You're like, they were telling us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. And you can see how like these, you know, they'd make this little film. Mm-hmm. You could see why it would explode. And you could see why some studio would go, sure, we'll give you $100 million to make a giant effects-laden movie <laughs> packed to the gills with effects and movie stars. I mean, it's... Well, and the story was kind of ahead of its time, so too. Because don't we yeah. all feel like we're in the Matrix right now? Oh. Yeah. We're feeding... We we are the batteries feeding corporate um, society. Yeah. Aren't we? I and mean, everything I just saw the same black cat walk by twice while you were talking. So, I mean, oh. it's... <laughs> Glitch. It's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Actually, actually, Gloria Foster steals that movie mm. as the Oracle. Oh, it's the Oracle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the um? I can't remember. What's he coming? Oh, the the cookie. The cookie There's lady. Whole, the the joke cookie with the cookie, yeah. which actually turns out to be a reference to cookies that you block in your computer. Wait, what was like that? What? You know, you get like pop cookies. She, she gives him cookies to take with him. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's, I remember that. And it's you know what happens then with the cookies? Well, he he eats one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so did Alice. And yes. There's a lot of Alice in Wonderland stuff. But it's also yeah, a reference yeah, yeah, to yeah, cookies yeah. in your computer. Like computer the red blue or the blue pill. Or yeah. The, yeah. 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 All that. It's magical film. Really good picture. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Try to so, find it and watch it. So, so, so anyway, you know, the court jester really, you know, set me up uh, as far as, you know, that's the kind of acting that, that I liked. I also, I also wanted to say that I almost met Danny Kaye one time. Because he made such an impression on me. I think it was 1982. He was in the hospital at Cedar sinai And I got some flowers. And I brought them to Cedar sinai with a nice note. Oh, to take two. I minutes. thought it was nice. I don't know. Um, and I I was on the ground floor. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm here to deliver this to Danny Kay's room. And they said, oh, he's up on the seventh floor. So I went up to the seventh floor. I went to the nurse's station. And I said, Hi, I'm here to deliver this to Danny Kay. She goes, oh, his room's over there, 202. I had a moment where I could have gone into Danny Kay's room. You chickened out? I chickened out. (laughs) I wouldn't chicken out today because I'm much more, I feel better about myself. I'm more confident. But back then I thought, you know, I'm just a fan. I can't, I can't do that. And I said to the lady, I can't go in Danny Kay's room. I, 
I just love his movies mm. and I love him. And I'm sad that he doesn't feel well. <laughs> and I, could you just please give him the flowers? She goes, okay, you could go in there if you want to. <laughs> and I was like, I just can't. So I, I left my return address on the envelope and he wrote me a letter back. Oh. So, I mean, I have that. I still have that. And well, that's not makes, like you didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. <laughs> that, that made me feel good that, you know, so I did that. I almost met him. Hey, we just want to take a quick break from our conversation with the delightful and terrifying Barbara Crampton and uh, thank our sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website. They're not just huge fans of the show, but they feature many of the movies we talk about here, so you can easily find them to add to your collection. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you own them. You have them forever. Most of these places, you think you own it, then you, just, you sign in one day and it's just been deleted from your collection. It's horrible. That can't happen with physical media, folks. So you can watch what you want, when you want, and there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director's commentary, deleted scenes, and all sorts of goodness. Buy your favorites at moviesunlimited.com. You'll find classics, imports, hard-to-find films, and of course, new releases too. Prices are great and the choices are endless. Own the titles you love and enjoy all the bonus features you just don't get elsewhere whenever you want. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on our website and buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyway, so the other people that I watched when I was younger that I also didn't meet um, were like Miriam Hopkins mm. and um, Greta Garbo and Jean Tierney and all those ladies that I loved. And as an actress, I did sort of gravitate more towards the women's roles and the, the the movies that made an impression on me were probably more female centric. So another movie that I watched when I was younger, although I watched, I didn't, I forgot that I watched it. Then when I watched it again, maybe three or four years, no, maybe longer than that, like seven or 10 years ago, because somebody recommended it to me, I watched it and I went, oh my God, that's that movie. And it was Eyes Without a Face. Mm. Uh. And I had seen that maybe at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and uh, and that movie made an impression on me because it was scary, right? The the woman who had the disfigured face had something covering it, and her her father doctor was trying to find a way of bringing her face back. So they were taking other women and taking their faces off and trying to apply them. Or there's one famous scene in that movie where they they uh, take the face off of one gal and then they put it on uh, his daughter's face. And I don't know why they had these, it looked like scissors or something. And there was these things attached, you know, they'd, they'd place the, the skin on and then attach it with these scissors or something. I don't, it looked like scissors to me. And that scene was so horrifying and that movie was so scary and it's just I think it's that when I look back now and I think about the fixed faces 
of a lot of villains, you know, like Freddie and mm. and um, Joker and yeah, Michael and Myers, yeah. Michael Myers mm. and whatever. It's that it's that. Although she wasn't particularly villainous, but it was very chilling and scary chilling because image, it's in, yeah. in an immovable image. And apparently, I read recently that John Carpenter kind of used that model, you know, when when he was making Halloween, mm. Michael Myers, that it was this fixed sort of visage. And right. um, so that that movie made quite an impression on me. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of beauty in that movie in a way with the doves and at the end and the barking dogs and, you know, just created that metaphor of this woman who was sort of caged. Why did they have those freaking dogs? I don't know what the dogs meant, you know, in, in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. I get it, what it meant in terms of a metaphor, but what was it with the story? I think it was for, it went, if, his, if his patients escape before they uh, are, used, are used up, uh, then they get fed to the dogs. Oh, oh, they got fed to the dogs. That's so Ugh. right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's kind of grim. That's kind of grim, but yeah. But yeah, and then she's the one that realizes that she's the monster and so, you know, she kills her dad and Spoiler. something. Hmm? Spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I think I think the statute of limitations <laughs> yeah. up on that one. Yeah. So. Um, sorry, I don't know, really even though she wasn't you know, it was really the dad that was the protagonist and it was was, well, there's also the nurse, the evil nurse. And the nurse, the yeah. evil nurse was amazing, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah. yeah she was great. Um, loved her. So I think, you know, I didn't know I was going to work in horror movies. Am I still working in horror movies? I don't know. I guess I am. But it's just, I think it's just, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do it, but it just sort of happened. But now when I look back, I go, yeah, those, those movies probably made more of an impression on me than than a lot of other films, you know? I wasn't like a romantic comedy mm-hmm. type viewer, whatever. Um, and, and you know, another another movie that made, but this is a drama, clearly, although it kind of is a psychological horror film. It's all about Eve, which is that, that's another movie that, you know, stellar movie in any yeah. genre, um, made quite an impression on me. Um, and just the fact that, there was so many female leads in that film too. I hadn't seen that so much growing up that, you know, it was, there was two women, you know, kind of vying for the same position, one woman trying to stay on top and then another woman trying to usurp her and what, what that leads to, you know, and how they both react to that. I kind of felt like Margot Channing gave up a little too easily though in the film myself, mm. you know, she just was like she was watching this happen, and and I think she was only forty in the movie. So that's about the time that I felt like in my career too, when I was maybe thirty, thirty six to thirty seven, I stopped getting phone calls, and uh, I stopped getting job offers and auditions and things like that. So I think, and this was many many years ago because I'm way older than than thirty seven now, but I think there there was a lot of truth to that. And I think it's better now. I think women are getting better roles now. There's better roles written, written for women. But that movie has stuck with me for a long time. And it's a terrific script. Yeah, it's an amazing film. Yeah. And yeah. I think there was like all, there was like three Academy Award nominations for all three women in that film too, um, for supporting and lead actress. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, I think that movie definitely stands the test of time. I'm wondering, Mick, I feel like there's certainly more parts um, for women and and certainly, you know, it's it's nice to see because uh, that, mm-hmm. that um, yeah, you don't see actresses disappearing at, you know, 29 or whatever anymore that, that people continue yeah. to work and be stars. But I, I feel like there was just this, we're still struggling to get back to it. There feels like there was this time sort of, especially in the fifties where there were these amazing parts for women, like unlike anything we've seen mm-hmm. uh, since I mean, especially, you know, I mean, Betty Davis and Joe Crawford, they got to play these incredibly complicated yes, characters sure. and, the, and they were their movies, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I, I, I still, I feel like we're still kind of not quite there. Is that, I, Maybe it ebbs and flows a little bit. I don't, you know, I mean, I think when action movies first came in, you didn't see a lot of women kind of being action stars. I mean, that's why when Linda Hamilton played in The Terminator, you went, oh, and Sigourney Weaver played in Alien, you went, oh, that, okay, there's something. But but those were two examples that were an anomaly at the time, I think. You know, it was much more action-oriented for men. Um, But in, in the horror genre and in this, independent world that I seem to have lived in for a long time. I do see a lot more women's roles and I definitely see people, um, you know, offering me kind of good stuff. Um, and, uh, there was a movie that came out recently called Relic and then another movie called, um, Anything for Jackson, which had an older couple in it. And it was like great, great films. You know, one was about Alzheimer's and two daughters dealing with their mom. And then the other one was about this older couple trying to bring their, I think it was their son back to life because um, he had died in a tragic accident. And, but it was really focused on the older couple. Mm. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like older people are kind of in right now. Yeah. That's you know? good news for us. It's good news for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so... There's that. Probably, and, probably not the same thing. I was just talking to a friend the other day about, I remember going to see the Rolling Stones in uh-huh. 1981 and thinking at the time, I mean, uh, you know, you got to go see the Stones, but Jesus, these guys are old. Oh, yeah. Right in 1981? <laughs> in 1981. Oh, and they've lasted. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, yeah. that's, that's, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what creates somebody that's lasting as far as a performer? Because, you know, as I said, I do gravitate towards the performances. You look at somebody like Betty Davis or... Um, Miriam Hopkins, although I, she didn't, she did more theater. She didn't really do a lot of movies, but she made a huge impression. Um, or you look at Joan Crawford or people like that, they made, and then, you know, there's some stars of today that just keep working. Nicole Kidman, you know, and Meryl Streep. I mean, they're fantastic actors. They take, they take risks and they take chances and they, they're very full bodied in their performances. They don't disappear. Um, and I think there's something to be said for, uh, movies that sort of the, the, the arc of the movie goes along with the arc of the character. You know, it's not so much, you know, there, there's a plot and it's plot driven, but if you look at, you know, one of my other picks is, um, The Haunting and that movie is kind of a simple story, right? But the story and where you go in the story and how you get deeper into this haunted house and how it affects everyone in the film and affects the main character and how she's going crazy or is she or is it really happening? You know, the 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 character's story and story's character really works and 
some of those films, I think, like another one, a pick of mine is Straight Jacket. Mm. You know, I mean, that's a Joan Crawford picture, right? That's, right down to the Pepsi Cola bottle. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Prominently that's, featured in the uh, Yes. <laughs> and the so and funny. the guy who played the doctor was on the was on the board or something. Right. And she she had um she had whoever they wanted to cast, or I don't know if they cast anybody, but she said, I want this guy and he's my friend and he's gonna play this part because I'm on the board of, of Pepsi Cola. So he he's there <laughs> and I'm gonna drink Pepsi Cola in the film. And she had she had cast approval um on that movie and i don't know how many actors really get cast approval well she also uh, she dumped an actress named ann helm who was playing her, that's her right. daughter that's right uh, for whatever reason she didn't didn't they didn't get on well she liked and the, she brought in uh, yeah. diane baker yes and she liked her because they had worked together before yeah yeah and, and diane baker's great yeah so I just saw the trailer for that again recently. <clears throat> um, I just read it, it, it's hilarious. it ends with a uh, warning. This movie features hatchet murders. Deliberately. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, that's going to probably depict. I, I <laughs> yeah. forgot that that, I forgot that that actress was Diane Baker and I was watching the silence of the lambs and there's, I, there's what, does she play, what does she play in she that? She plays the mayor or the senator. She's something. the senator, right? The senator. mother, the senator? mother of the girl who's kidnapped. Yeah. She's oh, like yeah, a yeah. senator. And I thought, who is that person? She reminds me of somebody. And then I realized, oh yeah, that's Diane Baker. Yeah, yeah. I always liked her. But but that movie, you know, is the trajectory of the. It's a star-driven vehicle, right? Yeah. And so, I guess back in the days when you're under contract, they would try to do that kind of a thing, right? Just. You know, if you're a contract player and they're making a star out of you. Yeah, I don't think she was under contract then. I think she was no. just. She oh, was just, she wasn't. No, she, it was William Castle was the one making making it for mm-hmm. Columbia. And uh, I think they were very excited to get her. And they basically let her run the show. Yeah. And, yeah. And then t- it was right, it was kind of right after um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Right. Well, that's when, that was the moment when all and all of these women who ordinarily would be playing grandmothers or, you know, uh, are, grandmothers have one when they're 45. Yeah. Right. Cause they were like 42. I mean, right. yeah. Are not, now it's like, well, now wait, they can, they can all be quote, quote, horror hags. That, I know. I love that. I, I, I love that. I listen, Tula, I'm, you know, at my age. And, yeah. You know, all, all these people who, uh, you know, wouldn't ordinarily be making these kind of pictures or certainly wouldn't have been stars, star billing. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that was how horror, people in horror films, the males and the females, were always able to maintain their star status mm-hmm. by making these pictures. Now, even mm-hmm. though they were not considered to be lowbrow or anything, yeah, uh, and, and like sort of career lows, mm-hmm. but they weren't because if they were, if they made money, they were career highs. Yeah, and uh, you yeah, know, what, you, what you wouldn't have had a Vincent Price right. being having a career like that if he hadn't ended up making those pictures yeah. in the sixties, right? right. Um, it seemed like in in whatever happened to Baby Jane that you know. Uh, that Joan Crawford didn't really have the showier role, obviously Betty Davis did. And I thought in my mind as an actor, I thought, well, she's doing Straight Jacket right after this and she's really showing off in Straight right. Jacket. And yeah. I thought, I wonder if she's doing this on, if she thought in her mind, oh, I didn't get that showy role that Betty Davis got and I want to show off in Straight Jacket. There was a whole uh, miniseries about, yeah. about the making of that. It was fantastic. Um, oh, yes. So um, what was that the, called? Uh, but it was just Betty and Jeff. Feud? Feud. Betty, Betty and Joan. Be- I think it was called and, Feud. And Susan yeah. Sarandon was mm-hmm. very 
unbelievable. She was amazing. So I couldn't. Yeah. Right. Just really embodied that character so well. Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody who played Victor Buono. I remember the guy who played Victor Buono was. There was something about it. He was particularly in, in the good. feud. In the yeah, but uh, it, yeah, that was, was pretty marvelous. Uh, that was a blast. Mm-hmm. But now, as I've gotten older, I'm I'm very interested in the bitty horror uh, genre. <laughs> the bitty horror. That, well, that's that's <laughs> one way I've heard it referred to. Bitty horror. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Hag horror. There was there's another term that they use for it. Um, psych. Well, it's psycho bitty, I guess. And then hag horror. I don't know. Just you know, <laughs> old ladies screaming for their life or something i don't know um but it's fun it's you know it's campy it's fun we like movies like that we want to laugh at at films and enjoy them and i think you know certainly with a lot of those movies you're able to do that so is is that is that in my future i don't know maybe (laughs) i mean i i've had a couple of roles you know, like small roles that uh, people maybe haven't seen. Yeah, I was, I don't, it's, it's, you got a ways to go. I'm a lot older than those ladies were when they were doing those films. Well, but we live in a time now too, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're living longer and so I've been able to stretch my career out a little longer. It's also just that terrifying thing when you realize like, you know, for me that I'm, I'm older than Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. But, uh-huh. you know, he was way younger than you think but he, he was. Wilford Brimley always looked old. I know Wilford Brimley oh, always looked old. that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, people just aged differently. Yeah, I think they did. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's like all the terrible stuff we're eating and drinking that's They were eating and <laughs> preserving drinking and smoking. <laughs> yeah. Lots like, of smoking. Smoking does a lot. They were. Smoking does a lot. Yeah, we yeah, don't I, smoke as much. No, I had my, my um, celery juice this morning. I, that helps me. <laughs> I, I, I try to drink celery juice every day and, you know, I go for chemical peels on my face and stay out of the sun. It's and, good. Bathing in the blue yeah. of virgins. I, so, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Whatever it takes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your next one? Um, so the first movie that I saw in the theaters that was a horror film was The Exorcist. Oh, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And I was 15 and I lived the farthest away from our, the downtown area where I grew up in Rutland, Vermont. And we went in a big group and I think the movie started at three or four or something like that. And so when it came time to walk home, I was going to have to walk home in the dark and Mm -hmm. be the last one. So I didn't think I could do it. And I was watching the movie and in the middle of the movie, I said, I'm not going to make it. This movie is too <laughs> scary. I can't do this. And I left. And I left all my friends there and walked home. Maybe I saw a third of the movie. I, I didn't see the movie again probably for 10 years oh, wow. or, or more. And that movie, there's two movies that really scared me in life. That, that The Exorcist was one of them. I mean, right? I, I think it scared everybody when... Yeah. It doesn't matter who you were. It was a really scary film. And, you know, the the, the head turning around and the, and the pea soup yes. and the, you know, <laughs> and the voice of that other woman who I think was the voice of Pazuzu. It wasn't, you know, wasn't Linda Blair. Um, it was just too much to take. Yeah. So, and, and I... And what was the other one? You said there were the, two. Oh, the other one. So the other one was... Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and I probably watched that when I was 20, 
22 or 23 or 24, around there. And I watched it by myself. Mm. Mm. And I couldn't sleep for three nights. That, and there's no blood. I came to find out later. Like, I didn't think about it while I was watching. There's no blood in that movie. It's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of screaming. A lot of screaming. A lot uh, of From Marilyn Burns. A lot of suggestion. And, and, you know, the meat hook scene and the, uh, just, but, you know, why is it that we, that I've, that I love that movie? <laughs> I just, yeah. It just seems like a, who, who, who? I love it now. Yeah. I don't know if I loved it then. I didn't love it then. I'll watch this by myself tonight for the first time. <laughs> this yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre I don't movie. know. What a- <laughs> I think maybe I, had I done Reanimator yet? Maybe I hadn't. I, I don't know. I don't think I had even, maybe I, maybe I was rehearsing for Reanimator at the time. So I, I might've been, no, that would have been around the same. I was about 24 when we did Reanimator. So mm-hmm. it might've been around the same time. Same. And maybe I thought, maybe somebody was talking about it or something. And then I, I thought to, to watch it, but it, it was really frightening. And I, I came to know Gunnar Hansen um, later on and, that was pretty trippy when I first met him at a convention. I was living in New York at the time and I was working on The Guiding Light and somebody invited me to my very first convention, uh, Monster Palooza or something, mm-hmm. was it? Maybe in New Jersey? They still have those. Yeah. They still do it, yes. Oh, that, they still do them. But that was my very first one. I had never been to one and I didn't know what to expect. And they sit me down at a table next to Gunnar Hansen. <laughs> And I was horrified. I was like, oh my God, you're a Was he in face. character or? Uh... No. Oh, okay. At least. <laughs> no, he was so kindly and nice. And his day job was being a um, documentary and kind of writer. Mm. He was a writer for documentaries. And I, he showed me the ropes at the convention. I said, I got pictures made up. Nobody was, you know, people have handlers now and they book right. you for these things and they bring the pictures and, so I had made up my own eight by tens and I probably only had one type of eight by 10 and I brought it and he said, well, you know, you have to charge this amount of money and, you know, it was $10 back at the time or something or $5, whatever it was, sign your name and talk to the people. And so Gunnar Hansen showed me the ropes at, at a convention. We, we subsequently became quite friendly and hung out a few times. Um, and, um, God rest his soul. Wow. He passed away too, untimely. But um, that that movie was really scary. And I, maybe I, at that time, after I did Reanimator and working with Stewart, and then and then watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though it really scared me, I I kind of started gravitating towards the horror genre a little mm. bit more and started watching more movies that were horror based and um, started feeling like, oh, okay, maybe this is is this what I do or where I live? I, I, I wasn't really sure. But then, then Stuart hired me again for From Beyond. And then I think after I did From Beyond, I felt like, oh, this is kind of what I do. I went to the Saturn Awards <laughs> that year. Um, and I started meeting more people in the horror genre. And, um, you know, I met Roger Corman. And I know you worked for him for so many years. And um, and then did a few more horror movies. And I kind of went back and forth between soap operas and horror films because soap operas really paid the bills and they kept asking me to be on them. 
and it was. I, mean, a I would imagine paycheck. it would. It might be possible to make a career of that and have just completely different fan bases that never intersect. Yeah, <laughs> mostly you'd think so, or or it was like what we're saying about you know our respective husbands and wives. Like it would be you know one person in the in the in the couple would be a soap opera fan and the other person would be a horror fan. Right. Most of the time, it was the women who knew me from the soap operas and the husband right, and who would watch the horror fan. But there's plenty of, <laughs> you know, back then, even of female horror fans. But but yeah, they didn't really intersect except to say that I think there's um, a powerful energy from horror fans and a powerful energy from soap opera fans as well. You know, the soap opera, back in the day anyway, because right. when I was on them, that was... 30 years ago or so. And I think 50 million people a week used to watch soap operas. And now I think it's 5 million a week. So, yeah. you know, they, there's just too many other things to watch. There's games. Well, I feel and, like they, they, my, my, I'm tell me I'm wrong. I mean, obviously you know way better than me, but I, I feel like, like the soap opera fans feel like they know you as your character. Right. And there's sort of yeah. a, well, what it used to be was that you as your character were in their living room every day. Right. Yeah. And it was an every, it was a serial. So every day, your character, you would eat lunch with that character and right. you hung out with them and the characters grew up on that show and they would last 10, 20, 30 years. I think um, Eric Braid and Hans Gudegast has been mm -hmm. on The Young and the Restless for like 40 years now. Um, started out in Planet of the Apes and, you know, he landed this role and, and, and Melody Thomas Scott, yeah. who worked with you, sure. who I worked with for six years on The Young and the Restless. And then once they get those roles, a lot of them don't leave. But now with television and the way television is in your living room every day and how everybody's watching Netflix, those same people in the serials are, I feel like they're, it is the soap opera model. It's like maybe for 10 episodes or 12 mm -hmm. episodes or eight episodes, you see, you live with these characters, right? Yeah. I mean, Tony Soprano, who doesn't mm -hmm. want to, you know, my husband's watching. I said he was on, he's on his third round of watching The Sopranos. Yeah, so we, that was the first thing we went back to during uh, quarantine mm -hmm. was we did the entire Sopranos. Again. Yeah, so there's yeah, something about a, a character, an actor, you know, if you can kind of really tie into, you know, creating this iconic character and the, fantastic actor who's embodies that that role then you know you can you you can hook people on that stuff it's like a drug yeah 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 so yeah um and then um i guess another another movie that really um affected me was um and because i worked uh on jacob's wife and it was a vampire movie i went back and was watching all the greatest hits of vampire films. And one movie stood out to me. I had watched it maybe 20 years ago and I watched it again right before we did Jacob's Wife. And I said, you know, this is my favorite vampire movie is Daughters of Darkness. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I just, I really like, I, I, I like Delphine Say Rig and, you know, I've seen her in some other things and just the embodiment of who she was and she was female. And there has been some female centric vampire movies, but none to me that had the impact that Delphine had on me, just, you know, in her embodiment of that character. And um, Elizabeth Bathory, they called her, not Bathory. Um, and 
this, the script was so odd and sort of, you know, ahead of its time as far as like gender politics and, you know, sexual politics. And, and I don't know, she was just so alluring. And, you know, I, I really gravitate towards that, that the character and the actor. And I don't know, do you guys gravitate towards that or do you gravitate more towards the story or... Depends. What is depends. it? Depends it on depends. the movie. Do you think it depends on the movie? Yeah, and it does. It depends on the movie and, and how it how it hit, <laughs> hits you. And yeah. and if you uh, if you take a shine to it, you can watch it over and over. Mm-hmm. And if it crops up on TV while you're changing channels, I mean, there's some movies that's it. That you just say, oh, I've got, yeah. I've just got to watch the rest. Of like it. the Godfather. I mean, you'll just yeah. watch. How many times yeah. have we all seen the Godfather? Yeah. 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 So I don't think I've ever seen Daughters of Darkness. I mean, I know of it. Oh yeah. Well, I think you'll watch it now. My endorsement. Yeah. Harry Kummel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a Belgian director or a Dutch director. Bel- I think he was Belgium, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the the lead actor's name? I'm forgetting ben his Carlin name. Ben Carlin from Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, yes, that's right. I yeah, he was. It was so, that movie was so dangerous because you didn't know what was going to happen. It was a lot of like wife bashing, and you know, that's like slapping his wife across the face. And he called his mother to say he was he. He kept telling his new wife, well, I can't, I can't call my mother, you know, to tell us about the marriage. She's going to be unhappy about it. And, you know, I don't know. And then the wife was saying, well, you, you need to, to call. We, you know, let, let's go visit or maybe you should go visit and I'll stay in the hotel. And then he calls his, his um, mother and it's a guy in drag. And in another director, by the way, Fonz Rademakers. Oh, He's, I didn't know that. Yeah. But they never explained that. Like... Was gender that, politics. Gender politics. So that's good. No, that's good because, but but back then to not explain that, like, did he have an affair with that well, guy? Was that really his mother? That's one of the reasons the or, picture didn't get a lot of distribution. I mean, it came out from a very small company. And oh. it, it didn't, it played art theaters. And because it was no, a little just too controversial? It was, and it was a foreign film and Delphine Sagerig was known mainly to people who frequented art houses. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it played, it played a, a lot of uh, exploitation, you know, places, but it, it didn't, it just didn't catch on. It was a little too weird. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this, I, I'm, I'm looking it up and you're looking yeah. at the actors and there they are and so forth. And, you know, there's George Jamin, his retired policeman and Paul Esser, his hotel clerk and Hans yeah. Rademakers as mother. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> This this gentleman. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and that's not explained. It's just No, it's just it's a, not explained. Like it's just he's I, the right the right guy for the part. Yeah. I, I just thought, well, I You don't even know whether he's supposed to be the real father, the real uh, mother drag or, the, or, or whether drag. he's, you know, he's just, uh, you just, it's just one of the mysteries in the movie. <laughs> Makes but, you want to watch it again. I'm yeah, or but for that's, the first time. But I, that's I, kind of ahead of its time too, because now it seems like we're seeing it in our culture and in cinema, things like that happen. And you're like, oh, you know, we'll go, oh yeah. Maybe so he's what? trans. Maybe he's in the midst of some Could transition. Be. Could be. Right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's another film that so I. There are, there are different ways to read old movies. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I can't believe I've never seen this. Um, I, I, I recommend available. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, did I mention The Haunting? I yes, really, you, yep. you I, did. I mentioned The Haunting. I think, I think those are all, oh, did I, oh, I didn't mention one from earlier, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Which one? 
the is it 1930 Frederick March version. Frederick March. Yeah, that's the best one. That's yeah. Oh. And that's the one with Miriam Hopkins where she, yeah, yeah. I think she played sort of a um, champagne ivy. Yes. But she was a wilting violet. You know, she was hard. Also a hooker. Well, she was a hooker. <laughs> no, but when Frederick March, you know, as Dr. Jekyll, they they pronounce it Jekyll instead of Dr. Jekyll in, in this particular what film. Do they, been... uh, they, they, I do remember that. Yeah, they do call him Jekyll. Huh. Yeah, which is, I, you know, you listen to that and you <laughs> which go, Which may be the proper way. Who knows? Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> According uh, to them, it was. Is that the one that, that uh, there was a, one of those Richard Annabelle? Books. Yes, I think there that was, was the one. Yeah, because yes. I think I know it more. There were these. Uh, in it was the, a series of books that came out, 70s. I think, in the seventies, where they pre-video would, it, it, they would uh, take stills from the movie and they would do a sort of a comic book fumetti kind of mm -hmm. thing, and they would go through the entire movie, literally. Mm -hmm. And you you turn the, the pages and you read the script and see the. And I think it was in the script or was it just captions under. Yeah, the, well, there would be yes, it would be like it was a shot of two people and you'd have his line and. You know, the yeah. line or what have you. So you, could, you could read oh, the I, entire thing in an era they, where you they, couldn't. They did a bunch of them. Oh, I love there were no that. videos to rent or anything. Yeah. Um, I also, this this guy, like nobody got more shattered by the advent of video than Richard Annabelle because the first thing did these very classy ones. And then he started doing um, sort of pop movie. He did like for Love at First Bite. They did these mm. sort of color paperbacks. And then video came along. Boom. He was just done. Because mm -hmm. give it a choice. Yeah, I'd rather see the movie. And yeah. Good. But but I love that. That's right. Yeah, because I think I, I've seen the Frederick March one mm -hmm. once, but I must mm -hmm. have read it 5,000 oh, times. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, That's I, quite a performance he gives. Quite a performance. I mean, very theatrical. And um, the makeup was really cool, too. And and I think they did that with uh, more of a lighting technique. Well, for the, for the transformation, yeah. The transformation, yeah. because they 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 had different um, gels over the lights, and then they would take the gel away, and then it would appear. It the would makeup appear. would already be there, the, but the you wouldn't device, see it before. You couldn't see it, like, um, like the ghost viewer from the Thirteen yeah. Ghosts. Yes, <laughs> and I I think the movie was made also before the sensors came in. You know, yeah, it's pre code. Pre code, yeah. and and so all of the sexy stuff, which if you look at it now, I mean. Miriam Hopkins is dangling her legs over a bed. I mean, no. she's not really, right? She's not no. doing that. That's, <laughs> yeah, but she's not doing that much. Um, but they had to cut some of that out, I think, yeah. when they did the re-release of it. And then they put it back in. I, I, you know, she wasn't, as an actor, Miriam Hopkins was a real strong presence. And in that movie, she is a strong presence. But, wow, she's a real victim, you know, with such a, she starts out so strong um, and then really becomes a victim to him. But there, the emotion and the theatricality that a lot of those women had in the old days has sort of given way to a more naturalistic approach. Well, over I think the that's last, just true of acting styles in general. Of all acting styles, yes. I think, I think that's true, yeah. But there are some women that really can chew the scenery up still. Meryl mm -hmm. Streep can still chew the scenery when she wants to. And who's that actress? Elizabeth Moss, I feel like, really oh, chews the yeah. scenery. Right? She can, she can she, yeah. In, in The Invisible Man. How yeah. many times did she cry in that? Movie? <laughs> I don't know, 30, 40 times. Um, but, and and in the series that she did, right? Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Just crying constantly. But, there, you know, that was her, the choice that she made. But she, she makes a connection with the audience. So a lot of these women that I, I feel like, you know, they're my heroes or sort of women that can make that connection. Um, I, I feel like um, the gal from Hereditary does that too. 
uh, oh, uh, what's her name? Tony Collette. Tony Collette does that too. Um, so how do you make that real connection, that deep emotional connection? So I think those were the performers, you know, yeah. in, in a lot of the films that I, that were memorable to me or mm-hmm. that I look back and I go, oh, that really affected me, you know, and made me who I am. So. It does. I mean, that's the movies that made me. Yeah. That's why why we do this. Yes. Mm. Um, Oh, that's fantastic. No, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. We've been uh, chasing you for a while now. Yeah. Oh, come on. Everybody's chasing him. (laughs) I know. That's why. Get in line. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And seriously, if you haven't uh, seen Jacob's Wife yet, it's, it's. um, uh, And particularly if you're a fan, uh, because um, uh, Barbara doesn't usually get parts as meaty as this and uh, unless i gave it to myself it. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had not realized all that that's that's marlon me more that's great it's yeah. so great for you um yeah it's a fantastic film and an amazing performance and uh, i wasn't going to say vampires i don't want to give anything away but you you did so oh well um, i think everybody knows i mean it's on the poster yeah, kind of okay. you know as oh, my is mouth okay? is bleeding and you know yeah. just like i got some fangs but, uh, going on but yeah, but if you're in, if you've been in a long-term relationship with somebody who suddenly starts, um, you know, fangs. Yeah, spreading fangs and yeah. putting the bite on people. Maybe it's not is, so bad. Yeah, just yeah, this go will, with This it. will help Try you cope, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it's, really uh, like it. it's a therapeutic film. Uh, well, Barbara, thank you so much. And thanks for coming to the studio. Thanks yeah, for I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. a uh, great time. So. Thanks. We'll see you at the movies, okay. I guess. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast.